for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Hey, it's John, and before the blues music starts playing and you hear 45 minutes of Sioux Empire Sports Talk Radio Gold, Jackrabbits, Coyotes, Vikings, compelling storylines, Matt Zimmer and I both bickering and laughing at each other and with each other over some beers at the Gateway Lounge as quality of a place to watch your college football games on Saturday all at once or your NFL games on Sunday. It's as good as a sports bar gets anywhere in the world, and so is the service. So is the mouth-watering patty melt that I ate and the chislick that Matt ate. I also want to welcome Metro Sports TV to the Nobody's listening anyway, fold. Metro Sports TV is now your place to go to watch Metro Conference Games of the Week in Sioux Falls involving the big boys of high school football. All your Sioux Falls schools plus Brandon Valley and Harrisburg. Wow, have we had some great games this year. We got a doubleheader. If you're hearing this ahead of time, Thursday, 5 o'clock, Jefferson and O'Gorman at 5, and then at 8, Lincoln and Washington. So many playoff points and seeding on the line to help determine the fate of these high school teams. They've had so many barn burners to get here. You can go watch some of the best high school football there's been in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota by going to metrosports.tv. Relive that double overtime thriller between Washington and Harrisburg or that 38-34 shootout. Jacob Knuth, the future Golden Gopher, 72-yard bomb to beat Roosevelt in the final minute. You can go watch it all back at metrosports.tv and you can hear the deft analysis of Curtis Riggs, who, by the way, I've started a new podcast with, also on metrosports.tv, on demand, on the Rofkin platform. It's called Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs. The kinds of football brilliance and candor you can only get in Sioux Falls from an 11-time indoor football league champion, national championship record-setting quarterback at the University of Sioux Falls and three-time assistant coach of a national champ at Sioux Falls, Curtis Riggs. He's funny, he's blunt, he's brilliant, and he doesn't mind second-guessing quarterback mistakes, offensive play calls, head coaching moves, uh, you can't get that kind of insight anywhere else. Move the sticks with Curtis Riggs. Find it. Metrosports.tv on the on-demand page. The Rofkin platform. Metrosports.tv on demand. Great high school football games. Move the sticks with Curtis Riggs. And now, nobody's listening anyway. You're still listening. On with the podcast from the Gateway Lounge. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's nobody's listening anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, a lot to get to. Are these 15th ranked South Dakota Coyotes for real? The Vikings' latest gong show, saving Mike Zimmer's job, maybe. Is Kirk Cousins a top whatever quarterback? A lot of jacks to get to, as we always do. It's good to be at the Gateway Lounge. She's just getting up just as we talk. We are graced by the presence of uh, Zim's lady, Jen. Don't 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 sneak away. It's been fun. It's been fun to have her here. And did you see? Did you hear what she just did right before we turned on the mics? You, you, you've got her going. You took her to a gopher game a few weeks ago. Yeah. At times, it was tough to keep her attention. 
or to get her to get what was going on, but now she's already talking trash to me after the Gophers beat Nebraska. <laughs> she's already there. Came with me to the Jacks game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Refused to watch the Vikings with me on Sunday, but I can't really blame her for that. She, she Oh, why'd she refuse to watch the Vikings with me? I her? think she'd just been footballed out by that point. Oh, Are you footballed out, Jen? I am footballed out. Okay. Right? Aren't they, isn't, isn't that what they do? Don't they just lose? They, I told, I believe my text to you from downstairs to upstairs was they blew it, but they won. I was watching How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, okay. Well, the Vikings almost kind of did that. Uh, they did that. <laughs> they did that against the Lions. Uh, they were murdered. They were slayed uh, by Dan Campbell in a two-point conversion and uh, and their own sleepwalking. And then uh, they managed to escape that with the two Kirk Cousins daggers to Adam Thielen and a long Greg Joseph field goal. And they followed that up by uh, nearly pissing down a dominating performance against the Panthers down their leg, too, which uh, which we can get to. So, Like I said, they blew it, but they still won. Yeah. Uh, that was an ugly game. I mean, how bad was uh, Sam Darnold? And they didn't have Christian McCaffrey and uh, – like, I was just watching that game going, I don't know if I want the Vikings to win, really. It was almost kind of one of those, maybe it's time to accept or start rooting for a 5-12 and 12 season and a draft pick and a new coach and all that. And this is because the Vikings, A, were dominating them, B, uh, should be dominating them because they didn't have McCaffrey and Sam uh-huh. Darnold's terrible, and they couldn't, right? And so that's that's it. That's part of it. I the- mean, and by what? My theory was that the reason the Vikings suck so much is it's karma for what a dick Kirk Cousins is. Oh. <laughs> it could come back to get them. I mean, if we get uh, a close contact or a positive COVID test, yes, that's that's a very real thing lurking below the surface that no one wants to talk about, Matt Zimmer. I mean, uh, it could happen. Is he walking around with the shield on his face like he was talking about doing? I don't know. I, 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 did they ever install the plexiglass I in think, the meeting room? I or? think that just kind of blew over and no one really cares anymore. That's true. Yeah. It helps when you perform well. Well, I mean, yeah, it's not his fault. They're they're only three and three. Obviously, yeah. he's played pretty well. Uh, he and especially, you know, he give him credit. He played well on Sunday again, although not like I, I was interesting. I don't know if you caught. It was either the halftime show. Or, yeah, I think it was the halftime show where uh, Terry Bradshaw and Michael Strahan were talking about the Vikings. Oh, I did. And Bradshaw was like, "This is the deal with Kirk Cousins. Every week, you look at the numbers and go, geez." 360 yards and three touchdowns, or every year at the end of the year, you know, 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, but he doesn't do anything, and they don't win any games, and uh, that was almost another example. His his numbers by the end of that game were very good, and they would have been whether they had won or lost. Give him credit. Drove him down for the game-winning touch. Especially, I like that they were like, all right, Greg Joseph, you missed the field goal. We gave you the chance. We're just going around to score a fucking touchdown and not leave it in your hands, and it was nice to see them do that. Credit to Kirk Cousins. Wow, I, I could go, I could go, I keep, I could keep going the Cousins route, or I could talk about Mike Zimmer's interesting game management and decision making, because uh, I think there's uh, some left to be desired there, and a part of the reason why it's time for him to to go, not because he's a failure or a bad coach, but because of those decisions. Get to that in a moment. Let's let's stay with Cousins, because uh, you know and I know that Kirk Cousins has always had some Kirkies, some people who has always been staunchly in his corner and just hate it when people pick on poor Kirk. And the truth is that before this season, you could count maybe twice in his in, in, in his Vikings tenure where he truly was behind in the fourth quarter. They needed him to make throws. They needed him to overcome, yes, a suspect offensive line, which I, more than half the NFL teams in the NFL have. Mm-hmm. You, you, you deal with that. A lot of NFL teams have problems at offensive line. It's a mm-hmm. league where you've got 250-pound Mack truck refrigerators coming at you. Uh, you've got to be a quarterback that escapes and handles pressure, steps up, whatever. Okay. 
He's finally doing that. He was not doing that until this year. He did it once against Denver two years ago. He did it once against the New Orleans in a playoff game. I put a lot of weight on that. He like, did it against Green Bay, and Daniel Carlson blew it for him. Three to years credit, ago. He did yes. that, too. But he was, uh, you can go look up any of those any of those metrics, which you know I heard somebody spew the other day, and I didn't copy it and write it down. The, there's a metric for everything. The metrics for the ability to, uh, your, your passer rating, and what you're doing when your team is trailing in the fourth quarter, and you engineering game-winning drives, Kirk Cousins was very low. He had a lot of backups in the NFL who rated better and higher than him uh, for the last several years. Until this year, he did it in Phoenix, and and his kicker screwed that up. Yeah. Uh, he did it in Cincinnati. He did it in Cincinnati, and his running back Dalvin Cook screwed it up. Last yeah. drives of the game where you've got to make throws down the field with hardly any time. He he needed. You know, he did two to Adam Thielen at the end of the Detroit game. And yeah, in Carolina, uh, they do it in overtime where it was just like child's play. It was, he just made it look easy. Mm -hmm. And forever, he's made it look so hard. Right. He's made it look so hard in the fourth quarter with six or fewer minutes to go in the game to just like, just. Does it? Ha- do you have to thread a needle and have mm-hmm. a barely diving catch for every first down you get? And now it's like twenty yards, boom! There he is. I got it. He's a dagger dealer, and of course that changes the conversation. Of course I feel differently about him now. We have new data. Uh, he's got to keep doing it, and, and we're going to learn a lot more about both him and the Vikings when they have the Chargers, the Ravens, the Packers twice. I mean, they got a lot. The Niners. I mean, they've got a murderer's row coming up. But for for now, yes. He's not the reason why the Vikings are losing, and he and he has saved his team's ass and his coach's ass two weeks in a row. Yeah, and if Joseph makes that chip shot, they're four and two. Yeah, four and two is not bad. You no, know, you're not. in pretty good shape at four and two. You're all right. And you're- even three and three in a 17 game season, it's not over by any means. Um, if they had found a way to lose either of these last two games, that would change. That's the, the Vikings are just such a weird team. Yeah. They're three and three, and they could be five and one. They're three and three, and they could be one and five. You yes. know, so it's like I don't know how good they are. I suppose they're probably as Bill Parr says. Sells always said, "You are what your record says you well, are." Well, and, and as that's we, what they are. I mean, we say this almost every week in the NFL. It's made to be close. It's made to be even. It's mm-hmm. made for parity. Everyone's supposed to go eight and eight. That's yeah. why you have a cap, and that's why the draft works the way it does, and that's why everybody except Cleveland, and finally Cleveland has done it, uh, and the Detroit Lions. Everybody else in the history of the NFL of our lives. You have a 4-12 and season or a 1-15 season, maybe the occasional back-to-back seasons like that. The the nature of the league helps you correct it. Right. You can always go out and get a new coach, a new GM, a new quarterback, and snap your fingers. You can be a 500 team the next year. Uh, and But the Vikings just, as we've all known, they gravitate around 500, and that's where they're gravitating right now. I do think some of it has to do with Mike Zimmer. It, you, you, you loved him going for the touchdown because screw you, Greg Joseph. Um, I... Yes, but you could have just delivered the knockout punch with the field goal and just taken the points. It always seems like with Zimmer being the defensive mind. in overtime? Is. I'm talking about the uh, the end of regulation. At some point, they could have. Oh, okay. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, in, in overtime, a touchdown ends the game, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I'm talking about okay, in gotcha. regulation where uh, th- no, they punt. Don't they punt? I don't from, even like, know what you're th- talking about, honestly. They could have tried a long <laughs> field goal, and they punted from like the 35-yard line to pin the Panthers back at the four-yard line, and then, of course, the Panthers go 96 yards okay. and the two-pointer to, eh. to reach overtime. Now, I, With Sam Darnold, I don't think that's necessarily a bad move. No, and I get that, but you could deliver the knockout punch right there. 
The thing that I don't like about Mike Zimmer is Mr. Defensive-Minded. Let's just keep it close, and my defense is going um, to always had not, win it. Also, if he had not chased the points and gone for two earlier in the game, they would have been ahead by nine and not eight, mm-hmm. and the game that touchdown wouldn't have tied the game at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it just, it, it's, it's always my defense is going to win it. It's against Detroit. Hey, they're the Lions. They're bad. They haven't done a thing all day. My defense is going to hold on. Our offense can go into a shell. Screw it. Yeah. Because my defense is going to preserve this. Yeah. And, then, and then your defense gives up 96 yards and a two-point conversion uh, to force overtime. I mean, if he loses one of those two games, he's on he's, – he's, He's on a hot seat. If they lose to the Lions, if they would have lost both, he's fired during this bye week. You think so? I don't know. At one and five? See, me and my buddies that always text each other during the Vikings game, we were talking about that. Like, it seems pretty obvious that unless they finish strong and make the playoffs, this is probably Zimmer's last year. Yes. But probably also Rick Spielman's last year, too. Mm, Um, The theory I hear on that is from those in the know in the Twin Cities, supposedly, they know how the nature of that that team and Rick Spielman works, is that guy's a survivor. He'll happily start stabbing Mike Zimmer in the back starting right now. If they're a package deal, Spielman's going to be the survivor because he has survived about three other head coaches. Well, okay. If that's the case, and maybe it is, then maybe he will you know, throw Zimmer under the butt. And, you know, I guess anyone has those survival instincts where it's kind of like, hey, man, I'm, tr- I'm trying to save my own job here. Sorry, I got to let you go. Um, but I, do you think Ziggy Wolf is going to allow Rick Spielman to hire another football coach from, after this? From what I understand, first of all, it seems like the owners have a big say in who the head coach is that they hire. As they probably I, I think, should, I think yes. I, that, that's how I've, I've understood it in, like, uh, a, a lot of pro sports situations, especially the NFL. And so I don't think – I doubt Rick Spielman hired Mike Zimmer. I, yeah, it felt like a collective effort. The owners have to sign off on it for Maybe. sure. And uh, I think, I, and, and I, think I think both Spielman and the owners, I, I'm sure they've already got it in their plans. In ca- unless Zimmer goes on a big run and there's no way you can fire him, is they're going to want the next – 42-year-old uh, offensive. offensive guy who doesn't rock the boat. And is, but is, you can do that without Rick's I, – I just don't see how – Rick Spielman survives and Mike Zimmer doesn't. I mean, Rick Spielman's the guy who gave Kirk Cousins his contract, yes. which now isn't really a problem anymore. No. Uh, who could not put together an offensive line. Correct. Uh, you know, who swung and missed on, you know, I thought early in his tenure, Spielman did a really good job. You know, building the team that eventually went to the NFC Championship uh, with Case Keenum. You know, I thought he didn't, you know, there's a long list of guys yeah. on that team that he drafted that became good players. Absolutely. And he's made a lot of other good moves too. Um, but I think where they find themselves now, how they tried to build around Kirk Cousins and how it has failed pretty mm-hmm. – I'd say it's a pretty big failure. They haven't yes. – not only have they not gone to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, they haven't even got to a, a conference championship game. They've only, they haven't even won the division, I don't think. Yes. They've gone to the playoffs a couple times. Mm-hmm. But as You're a right. wild card team, they won the yeah. one game. Like, I just don't and see And got how, destroyed. Right. I mean, people, you know, Cousins had that – those two great passes in that one game. Like, there, Kirk Cousins, he's a pressure passer yeah, now. Yeah, he's yeah. a clutch – he's Captain Maybe Clutch in throw. a playoff game. And then he didn't I, I just think there. I just think they both got to go if they're going to go. Uh, no, know, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you. I agree. I'm saying – But I, there's not a, only do I'm I think that's what should what, happen, yeah. I, I don't see a scenario where the Wolf family goes, yes, Rick, you can fire – Mike and we're keeping you. For some, I don't see that. Yeah, for some reason they've coddled up to Rick quite a bit since they took over. So I'm just saying the more I'm not saying it won't happen that they will both go, but there's a there's no way that that Spielman goes and Zimmer stays. There is a much likelier yeah, way that, that Zimmer if, goes. If they were and to Spielman fire stays. Zimmer in the middle of the season, who do they replace him with? Oh, I mean, you just find any. Well, yeah, Seriously, that's who. Who's the interim? 
I mean, we, it's obviously Clint Kubiak. Because Zimmer's kid, Andre, it'd be Andre Patterson. That's the talk I've heard. Okay. It'd be it'd be the co-defensive coordinator. Coach? Uh, he's he was the D-line coach, and now he's the co-defensive coordinator, which doesn't mean a thing because Zimmer right. runs the defense, right. and he's co-defensive coordinator with Zimmer's son, uh, who's not ready. That would be a bad look. You don't want to hire another Zimmer. So it'd be Andre Patterson, partly because Andre Patterson is a get-along guy. He's uh-huh. just one of these former players that uh, players relate to and like and gravitate toward. He All would right. be the guy. Uh, but uh, I don't think it, but it's the bye week. I think if they would have fired Zimmer during the season, it would have been by now. And they've been hanging on by a thread, but they go in there three and three, and they've won three of four. So, okay, headed in a good direction, and Kirk's playing well. And uh, Mike probably stays to the end of the season, even if they go on a, I mean, if they go on some in a, a four or five game losing streak at some point and just look awful doing it, then, then they Maybe. might say goodbye to him. Maybe. But then it wouldn't really matter. Anyway, uh, and by the way, you know what else is making Rick Spielman uh, looking uh, like, hey, he's worth keeping over Mike Zimmer? is the left tackle he drafted uh, is finally playing, Derisaw, and they waited around because he was hurt, and he hurt and hurt, and it felt like he wasn't going to get in until week eight, 9 or 10. He comes in. I don't know if he just started. So bit, just because a guy he drafted had a good game, now well, that's going to sure. save his job? His bi- yes, his biggest – well, think about the two I, elements at play here. For one, his biggest failure as a GM is whiffing on offensive linemen over and over again. For many years, just ignoring them in the first three rounds. Say, like, I'm not even yeah. drafting linemen in the first three rounds. I'm not going to go out and get the best uh, at the cheapest rate. And then, uh, you know, the first couple that he finally starts doing it, and, you know, the jury's very much out on Bradbury. The jury's very much out on uh, Ezra Klein. Who is the. Uh, and then they. Had, what's, what's Ezra? Campbell? I don't remember his I last can't name. remember these other guys. Yeah. Oh, uh, Elfline was a huge miss. Elfline was a huge miss. I'm just naming everyone named Ezra I've ever heard uh, of in my life. But Darius was like the <laughs> highest, A, the highest rated left tackle rookie in the NFL in the in the two weeks he's played. Okay. And like, uh, that's among rookies and like third overall. He's, a, he's the last two weeks he's been rated the third best left tackle. I think Kirk Cousins has been in 70 pressure situations and he's allowed one pressure. Okay. That's you can keep reciting stats all you want. I don't understand. I don't see how. Oh, this guy looks like he doesn't suck. Now we're gonna keep our GM because Rick's because the Vikings could start winning more games because Kirk Cousins is better protected, right? Kirk Cousins can't overcome the lack of protection. Okay, well, that's, that's what the Kirkies say. That they're suddenly gonna maybe go ten and seven or eleven and six because of this guy. That seems like a stretch. I think okay. that'd be a good reason. He's your blindside guy. You have failed to protect Kirk well enough. He's a quarterback that needs protection and everything to work around him to truly be at his best. Uh, and uh, well, part of the reason why he's been able to maybe engineer Jonathan these big comebacks is because he's had more time to do it. Okay. Well, the guy, the kids had two good games. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's where we're at. It's a right. it's a week to week league. It's the NFL. Anything other anything else about the Vikings you wanna you wanna point out? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Because um, I think we're actually on the same page. It's like it's it's it feels like it's coming to an end with Zimmer. Uh, we'll learn a lot more the next few games. Uh, it's you don't need to sum this up. Just move on to the next thing. All right. Sounds good. Oh, oh <laughs> the director of the show, Matt Zimmer, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I got to step in and tell you to shut up. Mm-hmm. Was that rude, Jen, or do you think that uh, that was a necessary thing listening. to do? Get her headphones in. <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. She's given the, well, I, I'm the one. You, See what you did? I did. See what you did? Yeah. She's giving you microphone <laughs> directions. She took that in another direction. All right. So uh, well, let's uh, let's go to 
Jacks, Yotes, uh, look, this is somewhat of a Jackrabbit podcast. It's because you covered the team. And, uh, it, you know, interestingly, by the way, uh, when I asked Curtis Riggs, we started the new podcast with Curtis Riggs. Uh, it's called Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs. We do it here at the Gateway. And it's Curtis Riggs talking a lot of football at all levels that people care about. But I asked him, uh, knowing Sioux Falls as well as Curtis does, everyone knows who he is and what his resume is as a player and coach. Uh, where do the fan allegiances lie the most uh, when it comes to football in this town since it's such uh, a diverse football town? And he said the Jackrabbits. I said more than the Vikings? He said, and you could you could agree or disagree. He's like, yes, sir. at the moment, there's no team at any level in football that has more fans and interest than the Jackrabbits, not even the Minnesota Vikings, which blew me away that it feels like the Jacks have become that big of a deal. That- that doesn't surprise me, and I don't disagree because the Vikings aren't fun or interesting right now. If the Vikings were six and zero right now, that wouldn't be the case. But they're not. They're three and three, and not only are they three and three, they're not very fun to watch. I was, just me and my buddies were texting each other during that Panthers game. Like I've never enjoyed watching this team less than this year. But anyway, we just got done talking about them for half an hour. Despite Kirk um, Cousins throwing all these daggers, yeah, well, you're that right. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we got. Uh, it's funny. Um, someone asked me the other day, like, what's the biggest complaint I get from readers that you know follow me on Twitter or read the Argus Leader or whatever? And this is the these are the two biggest complaints that I get about the Argus Leader sports coverage. There's too much South Dakota State Jackrabbits coverage, and there's not enough South Dakota State Jackrabbits coverage. Wow. Those are the two complaints I get the most. Interesting. <laughs> so uh, I think that kind of tells you, you know. Curtis, obviously, USF guy, Sioux Falls Storm. You know, he doesn't have much allegiance to the Jacks no. necessarily. No. Um, I mean, he knows Stegen respects him, I'm sure. But, yeah, you know, I'm sure he knows ask, the high, school as well. co- ask yeah. the high school coaches in town, too. You know, they'll tell you the same thing, that, you know, the Jackrabbits are on top right now. They just played the national championship game. They have the better facility. You know, they've been in Division One longer. They've been to the playoffs all those times. They, they do get more fans. Um, certainly, the if you measure – metrics of you know readership and and clicks and whatnot at the newspaper it's, yeah. it's they're a decided number one so yeah. you know i know there's a lot of people that wish that weren't the case and that they think that it's all this big conspiracy or whatever and as much as people don't will you know think i'm making this up i don't give a shit yeah. you know this is my job I, yeah. I don't care yeah you know if, if augustana was the big ticket then that's what we'd be doing you know yeah. but they're not right it is what it is and, and not only that i think and i've said this before the most optimistic diehard Jackrabbit fan in the world would not have told you 20 years ago, oh, yeah, SDSU will be playing in this $60 million stadium with an indoor facility right next door, playing in front of 16,000 mm-hmm. fans, uh, you know, beating Colorado State. Uh, or 6,000 sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, almost beating Minnesota, almost beating Nebraska, you know, putting all these guys in the NFL. Everything. I mean, th- it's been more successful than anyone could have guessed. And, you know, USD's getting there. And, you know, now that they've upgraded the dome and done some other things, I mean, I, I don't think you should, uh, as much as USD is clearly second fiddle right now, it's not like they're, you know, a distant second or that their program is anything to sneeze at. They're they're making strides too, which we're obviously going to get to in a second, talking yes. about where their team is right now. Uh, but, yeah, I don't find that surprising that Curtis would say that. I think it seems pretty obvious. Uh, it's not like I was point. blown away by it. I've always been I always thought you would, I mean, not to interrupt, but I always thought you and, and Craig – on your radio show yeah. kind of operated with the assumption that it was all Vikings all the time. And I would sometimes be like, do these guys know that, you know, people aren't really that jazzed up about the Vikings right now? Like if they weren't doing well, 
Like when they were doing well, yeah, I get it. But there were times I would tune into your show and you guys would talk about the Vikings forever and I'd just be like, dude, no one cares. We, we They're get, playing the Browns this weekend. It's not that big a deal. We'd get complaints know? every now and then. It's not always opponent-based. It's kind of uh, the, 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 the beauty of the Vikings has always been there's always a lot of drama. The, the Stephon Diggs drama from a couple years ago mm-hmm. and uh, the Brett Favre drama from years ago. There's And they're always just good enough to be in the playoff hunt to where mm-hmm. still the fans are Usually, hanging on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they always have some huge letdown or heartbreak and uh, the drama's always, are they are they going to, is the shoe going to drop again sort of thing. Uh, but they're, they're never good enough that it's boring. That uh, You know, oh, another blowout win. Here we go again. What's what's their controversial or compelling to get? They're good. There's no argument. There's no mm-hmm. uh, discussion. I guess what I always went off of was uh, there's compelling enough topics and it's a big enough overreach that and South Dakota State's not quite, obviously it's not the high Huskers, it's not the Hawkeyes. The the alumni base, the fan base, is not as big, and uh, you got a bunch of Yotes fans over here, probably who may or may not want to hear about them anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I and you were the only person that complained in those days about it, and I don't want to get into a discussion of of uh, rehashing radio shows, but. Uh, where we're at right now, I mean, when Curtis says it, I go, oh, okay. And I'm not, again, it's not spellbinding. I get it. They're a national champion. They're literally a national championship contender. Uh, they've grown leaps and bounds. And, okay, they have our full attention. But they played Western Illinois on Saturday. And uh, they do have a big game against Northern Iowa, who lost to the Yotes. But this is where I want to I step in with the Coyotes because they're surging. South Dakota mm-hmm. State's been just hanging out in the top ten. Uh, with some drama here and there for uh, for years. Here's the Coyotes who had the Chris Streveler show about three years ago, and then he leaves and it's back to USD's just continuing to trying to push the boulder up Took the hill. a pretty significant step back. And here they are. Uh, of course, they have the Bison and the Jacks still to come on their schedule. But if you look at that schedule, they are 5-2 and two and could be 7-0, and oh, in which case they'd have an argument for being, you know, maybe – in the top three, if not the number one team in the country. Uh, they almost beat Kansas, almost beat Missouri State, which is not a – neither of those are bad losses, both yeah. on the road. One to an FBS team, another one to a ranked team. They're 5-2 and two now. The last two wins, North Dakota and Northern Iowa, those are big wins. I don't know if North Dakota or Northern Iowa are or were as good as their ranking, but they are good teams who were ranked. They got consecutive wins over ranked teams. When you looked at the schedule before the season, you would say those are going to be tough games for the Coyotes to win. Mm-hmm. They won them both. Now they're 5-2. and two. In the next two weeks, they've got Illinois State and Western Illinois. They very much should win those games. Yeah. I mean, I would and, – and given what we're about to talk about, those are must-wins. Because if you win those two, you are 7-2, and two, and you are pretty much in the playoffs at that point. Now, after that, they finish with North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Obviously, the two most challenging games on their schedule. There's a good chance they'll lose them both, but they would still probably get into the playoffs at 7-4. and four. And yes. let's say they just win one of them. Probably unrealistic to expect them to sweep those two games. Win out. That's probably not going to happen. But assuming they get by Illinois State and Western Illinois, which they absolutely should, and just win one of the two, mm-hmm. whether it's go to Fargo and win, I, th- I think it's in Fargo, I'm not sure, uh, or, or beat the Jacks at the Dome, then you're 8-3, and three, you're definitely in, and then you're in the conversation for potentially a seed, a home playoff game, and making a run. Okay, uh, it, it is it, it is certainly of significant note if they're going to be uh, at NDSU or, or at USD for that uh, that game against the Bison. So, and I got, I know we got Yotes fans who are listening in, right it's now in screaming at me. It's in Thank Fargo. you for finding that quickly. Uh, so, yeah, you'd think okay, the Jacks would be. Uh, 
just because by nature of it being at home would be the not the easier game, but the more winnable game for them. Uh, but, okay, so you've laid out just what they have outside of those games. But, of course, if they were able to beat either of these teams or give them good fourth-quarter games, and especially if they give both of them good fourth-quarter games, that's the, that, that's a good benchmark of, yes, USD – you know they they had the they had the icing or the sizzle of Chris Strebler that one time, mm-hmm. and he was a gopher transfer and he was a great eraser, right? I think that's bared out with Chris Strebler in the NFL right now. Incredible yeah, eight and five good. season without him. They're four and seven every year, and now they're about to feel like they have a more complete program because Camp is good and he's emerging, but he's not Chris Strebler. So you've got a, you've got actual cake, not just icing. Um, so what what's gotten them to this point? Like what makes you what? You, it seems like you feel like right now they're a threat to beat both either USD or SDSU. Well, they're 15th in the country, and they just won we get that. back-to-back games against ranked teams. Well, what well, I'm saying is that means you can beat anybody. Yeah. I mean, there there is no one that you could say, yeah, they don't have a chance so to So why beat and them. how? How have they gotten here? I know you watched a lot of that UNI game, and that's dominating a very, you know, it's dominating somewhat of a blue blood of the valley in their home, in their home facility. Field, yeah. I mean, dominating them. Yeah. Hey, it's John in post-production. After this brilliant conversation you heard between Matt Zimmer and I at the Gateway Lounge, don't worry, his answer about the Coyotes and how for real they are is coming up in a moment. But I thought I'd do something I usually do seamlessly in conversation. Yes, appeasing the sponsor, the people who make this podcast possible. It always makes Zim squirm a little bit. He doesn't love endorsement, but we can't do this without endorsements. And the Gateway Lounge has not only been good to us because it has such delicious food, such friendly service and the best sports bar setup in town, especially on college football Saturdays and NFL Sundays. But also, they are getting taken over by Papa's Pub and Eatery. That is a wonderful American grill out of Del Rapids that every now and then just pops up at the gateway, takes over the kitchen, and makes the menu even better and more mouthwatering with stuff like cagey. <laughs> creamy Cajun chicken pasta. That seems to be everybody's favorite dish from Papa's. They have so many of them, and on Thursday, they're going to take over the Gateway Lounge. If you go to Gateway Lounge on Facebook, you can win a $25 Gateway gift card for any time, and just make sure to stop by the Gateway on Thursday for the Papa's Pub and Brewery uh, takeover. Also, if you're a high school football fan in Sioux Falls, then you got to go to metrosports.tv. Big doubleheader. Thursday night, if this is past Thursday when you're listening to it. I'm sorry, but you can watch these games on demand. Should be awesome ones. Taylor and Ashley Griffin will the dynamic duo at Jefferson as they take on red-hot surging O'Gorman, who's been lighting teams up. 5 o'clock Thursday, then at 8 o'clock Eastside Showdown. Seems like a very even match between Lincoln and Washington. We've had so many excellent high school football games all season long. You can watch all of them back at Metrosports.tv. So if you're a Roosevelt fan or a Harrisburg fan Wow, uh, are you going to be treated to some uh, trips down memory lane with the analysis of Curtis Riggs, the foremost football mind in all of South Dakota. He's been on many of our broadcasts, and you can listen to him for a full 45 minutes to an hour now every week. The Move the Sticks podcast with Curtis Riggs. It's called 
Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs, the 11-time IFL champ coach of the Sioux Falls Storm and the four-time national championship player and coach at the University of Sioux Falls. Uh, he is just bright and gifted and funny and no holds barred when it comes to his takes, especially on quarterback, offensive play calling, head coaching moves. Whether you're a fan of high school, local college, big-time college, or the pros, boy, is he going to take it to the Huskers, I'm guessing, this week, and to the Hawkeyes, and to Mike Zimmer and the Vikings. Curtis Riggs, Move the Sticks podcast, uh, brilliant football mind. Find it at metrosports.tv's on-demand page. Go to metrosports.tv, click on-demand, and that is where you can find all these great high school football games, both live and the full replays afterward, and these podcasts. Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs. And, of course, now you can find Nobody's Listening Anyway on Metrosports.tv on demand. Now, back to the gateway, back to the patty melt and Chislick and beer and Matt Zimmer and how real are the Coyotes and what has made them step up their game in 2021. Uh, well, their defense is a lot better. Yeah. Um, and it was obviously pretty bad a couple years ago. They bring in a new coordinator and uh, – you know, USD fans have understandably had a lot of frustration with the defense. And when that new coordinator came in and didn't turn it around immediately, you know, people were like, oh, well, who's this bum we brought in? And he came from an NAIA school and why blah, 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 blah. But, I, you know, I think Bob Nielsen deserves a lot of credit for saying, like, this is the guy I wanted. He's going to get there. It just might take some time. And to be fair, they weren't doing very good and they weren't improving. Well, and he hasn't it, been there it, that long. It was take, okay. Um, but ahead, and then this, the spring season, they only played four games. And th- they obviously don't get, go, didn't go very well. They were one and three. Uh, the statistics on defense weren't great. Uh, but when I talked to the Travis Johansson, is his name, the defensive coordinator before the season, you know, he, it was hard. At the time, it felt like maybe it was spin a little bit. Yes. But he was saying, you know, geez, you know, if you look past the numbers, you know, we did some good things here, you know, and we, we gave up a lot of yards, but we kept teams out of the end zone. Mm. You know, we didn't give up as many points. And uh, are we where we need to be? No. But, you know, we took a step in the right direction, and, and we're hoping this fall we can take another step. And I think they've done that. I wouldn't say by any means they have a dominant defense, but it suddenly is a, a capable defense, a defense you can win games with. And what goes hand-in-hand hand with having a better defense is being able to run the football. And that's another thing. Thing they couldn't do uh you know they had kai henry who had kind of we'd all just kind of decided oh kai henry's one of the best running backs in the valley he really wasn't and i think he averaged what three yards a carry in the spring uh was kind of a, a guy who at times maybe wasn't getting along with everyone so great Sounds when he like decided it. to leave i kind of think that was an addition by subtraction sort of deal they've got some younger guys in there travis tice is doing a really nice job but Mansaray and the other guy i can't think of his name at the time at the time they've both been pretty good too now all of a sudden you can run the ball you can play defense that takes a lot of pressure off carson camp who has done a nice job so far but he's not there he has not arrived you know he had a, a pretty good freshman season but that's only four games that's not a full year he's still essentially a freshman and he's playing like one you know he looks really great at times and then at other times it's kind of like eh, i don't know um but i think he's he's worthy of continuing to be the guy of them investing in him sure. sticking with him and if he continues to get better and he should if he's got a running game and a defense yeah i mean we talked a couple times throughout this season they're not as deep you know if they had the kind of injuries that the jacks have had so far they'd probably be in tough shape because i don't think they have that kind of depth yeah. but so far they're hanging in there and if they can avoid injuries over the next few weeks like i said minimum seven and four and in the playoffs and you get 
you upset one of those Dakota schools at the end, you're eight and three. You're looking at a home playoff game. Well, you're mentioning how they can run the ball to protect Carson Camp and their defense. It keeps their defense off the field, and they can do it without a home run hitter like Kai Henry. Well, why is that? Because of the improvement of another weak and weak spot, which was right. their offensive, offensive line. line yeah. they, you know, they were not able. And this is the complaint I would get from Coyote Eric over and over again. The last three, four years, even with Strebler, who again was an eraser, uh, they you, if you gotta line it up and you gotta get that yard, you the Coyotes can't do it. You can't, mm-hmm. and you know they can't do it at the goal line. They can't do it on fourth and one or third and one. And uh, it, it appears that they have they have turned that corner, have they? They're Was obviously it? better. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not like I've watched every down of theirs, and I'm you know certainly not Joe Bugle or anything. But um, <laughs> Joe Bugle, you know, the, the 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 thing about their offensive line, and I really appreciated Bob Nielsen's candor about that before the season when I asked him about his offensive line. I said, "Geez, you know, you got every starter back, yeah. So you're probably going to be really good, right?" And he was like, "Well." <laughs> I hope so. You know, if you have every starter back, but none of them were any good before, you know, maybe that's not a good thing. And yeah. to be clear, he did not say that. That kind of seemed to sort of be what he was yeah. thinking. Uh, but he's he was just like, yeah, we hope we're going to be better because we have everybody back. He seemed to be saying that just because they're all back doesn't automatically mean they're going to be better. But it gives you, you know, something to build on. The offensive line is the one group where experience, I think, matters the most because it just takes that long, especially at the college level kind of build that cohesiveness and, and get those guys where they're ready to play at a high level and again I, I i haven't been you know crunching the tape to see just how good they've been but the fact that they're running the ball now and they're controlling the clock a little bit better I, and, and doing it without mason scheidegger who's yes. you know supposed to be their best offensive lineman and he had to retire i mean I, I i think it's pretty safe to say their offensive line has definitely improved too uh yeah they're hanging in there and by the way they're three and one in the league they could still win this league i mean so we're yeah. you know we're headlining this podcast and truly talking about are the yotes a threat the cases for the coyotes uh because we saw Southern Illinois beat SDSU, so now the Salukis are in the driver's seat, and they don't they have, don't to, have play to play NDSU, NDSU. or you, they don't play USD either. Okay, and uh, they so, should win the league. I, I, they, okay, interesting, because Curtis Riggs has uh, had another thing coming for that one, and we'll get to that in a moment. But um, here's uh, Coyote Eric's latest report uh, from from the UNI game. Again, this was against a 16th-rated UNI. I think we'll find out a little bit more about how legitimate of a win that was based on how UNI plays SDSU, obviously, in Brookings on Saturday. How good is UNI really? Are they really the 16th team of the nation they mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. when USD went in there and stopped them? But uh, Coyote Eric says, uh, he, he says, okay, we might be the real deal. I have said it to you in previous weeks. I have been cautiously optimistic. I think it is okay to be excited now. They took it to UNI. Other than a five-minute brain fart to start the third quarter, they dominated the game. Even Mark Farley, the UNI coach, said USD dominated the line of scrimmage. After last spring, I don't think any fans saw this coming. The defense is really good. The offense has changed a bit. They are still using the no-huddle offense, but they are using almost all of the play clock. I don't know if it's just because they have a freshman quarterback or because they know they can run the ball and shorten the game but it is working. They occasionally go fast if the defense is getting fatigued, but they are really grinding games out. The offense only threw the ball once the entire fourth quarter, and that was on purpose, an on-purpose incompletion out of the end zone to run the ball the final seven, uh, to run the final seven seconds off the clock at the end of the game. Now they just stay focused with Illinois State coming to town and the bye week after that to allow for some rest before the stretch run. So, yeah, I mean... It, uh, it looks really good for them. What can you say about camp? Because we've mentioned uh, against some of these lesser teams in the Valley, and I'll put you and I in that group, uh, good defense, run the ball, your quarterback doesn't have to perform 
Does he feel like a guy when things tighten up, when NDSU and, US and SDSU are stopping the run and uh, scoring some points on the coyote defense that Carson Camp can make the pressure plays, the pressure mm-hmm. throws, red zone, fourth quarter, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff? We'll see. Too and early I have, to tell? And I haven't – well, most of the time I've watched USD this year, they've dominated. You know, the couple games yeah. I've watched, he hasn't had to do that. Um, I, You know, I think, like I said – He's essentially still a freshman. I mean, he's literally still a freshman because of how the eligibility rules work after COVID. But played a few games in the spring. It went well, but obviously it was a small sample size. Uh, coming in this year, I thought he got off to a little bit of a slow start. He did. I got the sense that some, he was, some Yotes fans were maybe a little underwhelmed. But I also think expectations were a little too high. You know, I think some people kind of thought, oh, geez, you know, he had these great four games in the spring. We've got our Taron Christian for the next four years. Pump the brakes a little bit. You know, he's he's not there yet. Especially, yeah. he was a true freshman in the spring. You know, this wasn't a guy who has a ton of experience. Uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the action I saw of his, you know, he'd make a couple throws where it's like, where's he throwing that? He doesn't have the accuracy. And then a minute later, he throws a perfect pass and somebody drops down the field. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's got what it takes. Yeah. You know, is, is he going to be the best quarterback in the Valley in two, three years? I don't know if I'd say that necessarily. But like I said earlier, I don't see any indication that he shouldn't be the guy that they commit to and try to build yeah. around the next couple of years. By the way, just, just I'm, I'm looking out for the listener here. It, either hold the microphone up and don't yeah, touch yeah, yeah. the table. Just don't touch the table with this. Okay. Uh <laughs> Uh, by the way, I think uh, it's baptism by fire. He was awful against Missouri State uh, when Missouri State and Didn't Bobby Petrino. Games, yeah. uh, I watched the fourth quarter of that game and look, Missouri State is Bobby Petrino. They're going to shoot you out. They're going to they're going to rack up points. You got to keep up with them. Uh, Force them to make mistakes. Uh, and USD could not keep up. Carson Camp threw a couple fourth quarter interceptions. I think that'll I think that'll do him in a hostile environment too. I mean, you go to Springfield. It was a night game. I think it was good for him for when USD and uh, SDSU mm-hmm. come up on the schedule, and he's got to make more pressure-packed throws. We'll see. Uh, and so Curtis Riggs thinks that Southern Illinois is going to lose twice, even though they don't play NDSU. He just he was not that impressed by them, even though they beat the Jackrabbits and are in the drivers. Well, the Jacks did more to beat themselves. I mean, we yeah. we went over this. They shit all over themselves. Yeah. And I'm not backing down from that. Right. And also Southern, you know, Southern uh, the week before lost or beat Western Illinois the exact same way they beat the Jacks. They scored a touchdown to tie the game at the end and went for two instead of going for the tie. Mm-hmm. So that's two weeks in a row they could have lost, and Western isn't even very good. That would have been a, a pretty bum loss for them. And yeah. uh, They had a kind of a tough time with North Dakota last week. Now, North Dakota's better than Western Illinois, but they're not as good as the Jacks. Uh, so I don't. They've they've definitely been you know living dangerously so to speak. I don't blame Curtis for saying like yeah I don't think they're that great. But their schedule's easier than everyone else's. That's yeah. just it. Who is going to beat them? Yeah. And I haven't looked at their schedule. I don't know who they have left. But they don't have to play the Yotes. They don't have to play the Bison. They've already played the Jacks. They've already played North Dakota. So who you got left? Uh, you know Northern Iowa or yeah. Illinois State I and mean, somebody. I mean, okay. Ooh, you know who's the sk- I mean, He might they be right. Play they, USD? No, they don't have to play USD. Either. Okay, all right. Wow. This is it. Like so, mm. whoever's. I mean. Okay. If they had some good teams left, then yeah, I'd say they're going to lose twice. I'd Who's going to beat them? They could fall into the UNI trap. I don't know. It's, sure. UNI always is good for, and that, let's get to that falls right into this SDSU game coming up. Because that's is, exactly where they stand right now. Is that for you? Ever since North Dakota State took over this league about a decade ago, UNI has just kind of been a perennial top twenty-five team. They they are just are not good enough to win the valley and get a national seed anymore. But they're certainly capable of beating North Dakota State or SDSU any time. Well, and they do and the you same, wrote about this, and right? They do the same thing every year. Yeah. They are two and three, or three and three, or two and four, or three and four, 
and you're going one more loss, and they're out of the playoff picture. And Mark and Farley then, is fired. And then they run the table and yeah. get into the playoffs. Yeah. And it has start that run that they always go on has started in Brookings many times. It has started on Hobo Day before, where they're three and three, two and four, coming to Brookings in mid to late October with their backs to the wall, and they win. Now that doesn't mean the Jacks have never the Jacks have won their share of games over Northern Iowa, both in Cedar Falls and in Brookings. Not saying that Northern Iowa has dominated this series by any means, they haven't. But they have beat the Jacks, I think, four times in the last seven years or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they can beat them. They can win in Brookings. They won here in the playoffs a couple years ago. They won here on Hobo Day in I think it was twenty seventeen, the year that, you know, Dallas Goddard, Jake Winicky, Taryn Christian, Christian Rose, that loaded team. That. Yeah. And it was a it was an ass whooping. Wow. You know, the weather was crappy and there were some there was, you know, other factors, but the point is, if there's one thing Mark Farley has proven he knows how to do, it's rally his team when they have to have a win. Well, he's good at it because it has to happen every yeah. year. Yeah, they're just not good <laughs> enough to go nine and two anymore. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, this is I was at the Jack's practice, practice uh, last night and they have their uh mental strength coach, Chris Crockett. I think it's pronounced Croc, uh, who talks to the team after practice. And uh, it's, it's great. I love listening to this guy. He's like a motivational speaker is basically his job for the team. And it sounds corny, and I'm the, as cynical a guy as there is, but yeah. he's pretty good. And I okay. like listening to this guy here, talk. Here, just, what? There you go. Okay. There you go. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, his, his speech to the team last night was he was saying, guys, Northern Iowa is coming in here. They are a wounded lion. That is what they are. And uh, that he couldn't have picked a, a better, you know, analogy for it because that's what they have been so many times yeah. in this series, and come in there and done that. And you know, that's the kind of thing that we already know that Mark Farley knows how to get his team to play when they're in that scenario. The question is, are the Jacks going to be prepared for it? You know, they had a Southern Illinois team come in and they dominated him for ten minutes and then went to sleep and ended up losing the game. How are they going to prepare for this team? Which and oh by the way. The Jacks are really banged up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already know about the injuries to you know, Isaiah Davis and Don Gardner, but when I was at practice yesterday, uh, there's some more starters missing. They're going to be pretty shorthanded. So this is if you're a Jacks fan, you should definitely be nervous about Saturday's game. All right, so you, obviously by nature of following and watching the entire UNI-USD game and what USD did to UNI, uh, what about you and I appears to be a th- threat to the Jacks besides what you just said uh, and uh, what obviously seems to be things that the Jackrabbits are capable of and should pick on? Well, in the past, uh, you and I has had some success by tricking the Jacks, essentially. with uh, A couple years ago, they the week of the game basically installed a new defense and the Jacks were not prepared for it and it caused a bunch of problems. Now they're more prepared for that because they know basically that you and I is, you know, most teams are either we're a 4-3 or we're a 3-4. They do both. Sometimes they're a three-man front. Sometimes okay. they're a four-man front. Sometimes they're a 4-2-5. Uh, so that, even though they know it's coming, that still can be difficult to prepare for because not a yeah. lot of teams do that. So they know they're going to have to be prepared for multiple looks on defense. Uh, on offense, they've always been – they kind of have this reputation for being like a smash-mouth kind of offense, but they really aren't. I mean, they've thrown the ball quite a bit. Uh, their new quarterback – I can't think of the guy's name. Noah Day or – anyway, um, he's a transfer from Michigan State who coming out of high school was like a four-star dude, played at Michigan State for a little bit. He ended up unseating Will McIlvain, who was their starter and like an all-conference dude. He's gone now. He entered the portal because he realized he's – losing his job to this dude. So they got a good quarterback. They got some good running backs. Their top wide receiver, Isaiah Weston, sounds like he's not going to play. So that would be a a break for the Jacks, especially since they don't have Don Gardner. 
Um, but you know they're just a good team. I mean, and, and a well coached team. And like I said, their their backs are going to be against the wall, and that's when they play mm. well. Okay, you can't make a lot of mistakes either. I mean, do, uh, is there anything concerning about the Western Illinois game? I mean, I, I would be a little concerned that it was ten seven mid second, thirteen ten. They half. were clearly still suffering the hangover from yeah. the loss to Southern yeah. Illinois. You know, you're watching the whole first quarter and a half and going, Jesus, guys, wake up. Yeah. You know, Western is not that good. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it ever felt like, oh, my God, are the Jacks going to lose this game? Yeah. But it was sort of like maybe that loss to Southern Illinois broke them. You know, maybe they're not going to be able to recover from this. And to their credit, they did. And they shook yeah. off the cobwebs and got it together okay. and dominated the second two-thirds of the game. But it, it took them a while to get going. Do you ever, do you ever uh, show up and in, in, in cover or, or observe any Hobo Day activities? No. Okay. What's your understanding or thought of it? Whatever. It's homecoming. That's all I know about it. Okay. <laughs> I always enjoy that footage from like 1992 when they had the bonfire and they turned over the uh, cars from TV stations. <laughs> Apparently they're doing a bonfire thing. Stig was talking about it at practice last night, but obviously a more controlled, family-friendly type of thing. But I don't know. He mentioned that the, they were inviting players to it last night as some sort of you know, pomp and circumstance thing. I, I don't know. I don't get – it's funny, like, for as much time as I spend in Brookings covering football, basketball games and everything, I don't spend any time actually on campus. I'm either at Frost Arena or Dykehouse Stadium. I don't know. I'm completely oblivious to what's really? going on you're outside not, of – Oh, uh, you're, not, you're not rubbing arms with the – with the the boosters nor the uh, nor the common jacks fans at Cubbies or not so much. Okay, um, let's. Uh, I, I, we haven't mentioned much about Augie and USF. I think we should because uh, if, Got if about five minutes, if you were to ask me Sunday, what was this podcast going to be about? It, it, It'd be we have some obvious. It's not like this is a revelation. Or this is it just started happening. But we have some. Just, we just have some damn good college football around here, and this year's a really good year. It's mm-hmm. above average, and the average is really good uh, because USD is who's always like has something going for it, but doesn't have all the pieces. They're number fifteen. Jackrabbits are right where they are. National title contender. But man, Augie uh, was fourteenth until USF knocked them off. They're still top twenty-five. They just went on the road and beat a twenty-third ranked Wayne team. And USF is uh, man. Ever since that loss to what was it? But Northern. Or Northern. Northern. Northern's also having a good year too. Speaking of uh, college football teams in South Dakota. So but. yeah, and I know you were watching both Augie and USF while you were watching this USD game mm-hmm. or the SDSU game. Uh, thoughts on Augie? They shouldn't have lost USF. I mean, they're yeah. the better team. They should still be sitting here undefeated, and if they were, they'd be in great shape for conference championship and, uh, you know, home playoffs and all that. All those things are still attainable for them, uh, but they're going to have some tougher games coming up. Winona State, Mankato, you know, it's going to get tougher for them. It, it's going to be interesting to see what will get you into the playoffs coming out of the Northern Sun and Division Two this year because normally the Northern, Northern Sun is really top-heavy. You know, there's a 10-1 and one team and a 9-2 and two yeah. team, and they get in. and then every, But this year it's so much more balanced. So I think, you know, does an 8-3 and three team get in? Maybe. I mean, USF got in at 8-3 and three in 2019, which is rare, yeah. but it happened. So, you know, if Augie goes 9-2, and two, where does that leave them? If they win out, obviously they're in great shape. Uh, but they've... You know, they just if, if Kyle Sadler could just play a little bit more consistent, okay. their quarterback. Because he's really good, right? Well, he puts up huge numbers, but he tends to make one key mistake okay. every game. That's how they lost to USF. They were driving down for the game-winning score. He made a bad throw, got picked off. That yeah, was it. Okay. You right. know, if he can just cut down on those mistakes a little bit, I think their offensive line and their defense is good enough that, that they should win that conference. And USF just seems to be the same good old meat and potatoes that they usually are. Yeah, they're not as talented this year as they have been in the past, especially now if Thurl Reisdorfer 
well, he's he's back now, so I shouldn't say that. But they had to survive without him for a while. Uh, their new quarterback, Adam Mullen, I think is going to be a good one, but he's still easing his way into that job, kind of a game manager yep. sort of thing. But yeah, they played very know, safely. There. They opened it up a little bit against Augie, and and he answered the bell, and they won that game. Uh, like I said, I don't think this is one of the best USF teams they've had over the years. But as we know, they're a program that just finds a way. You yeah. know, they're well coached. They believe in themselves. You know, they can be. They could have a team that stunk. And they just wouldn't know any better. They'd still win games because that's just kind of how that program is built. Yep. And but you you look at the end of this this year, they're going to be either eight and three or seven and four, and right in the mix. Yep. And probably a play, maybe a playoff team. If they're eight and three, they definitely have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. And maybe one that could do damage in it because uh, you got a good enough defense to keep it close, uh, like Nebraska did for several weeks. How much did you watch that Nebraska Minnesota game and enjoy it with the Gophers? I watched a little more of it than than I had planned on, and. yeah, I I enjoyed that. Yeah, I know you enjoyed my uh, my my tweet right before. <laughs> how are they going to blow? How this? are they going to screw this? None up? of the above, as it turns I out. I actually fired that the second <laughs> the, that Adrian <laughs> Martinez was, was dropping back. I said, "There's five minutes left. Nebraska's down by five. They've got a chance, right? They've got a chance." How are they going to screw it up? Fumble, interception, stall on downs, or uh, there was one other option, and it was not a safety. It's like they continue to find new ways to lose and screw it up. Did you come out of that? Because you're kind of a Gopher fan, but not really. And I was much more rooting for Nebraska to lose. You were than just Minnesota wanting to win. Nebraska to lose. Okay, yeah. that's it. Um, do, do you think Nebraska looks good in a loss, or pretty? Just objectively, what kind of a football outfit does that look like? To I don't you? know. I mean, their defense is obviously a little better. Martinez is just like a walking disaster machine. You know, I don't know. You don't care. I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't watch them that much. I mean, they look a little bit better than where they were a complete shit show a few weeks ago. But, right. You know, Minnesota's not that good. They've got, Nebraska's like gone from being a constant shit show. Like, th- this is three years of abysmal football, and Scott Frost needs to be fired because this is uh, – uh-huh. they've gone from that to, ooh, they're pretty good. They're, they're better. They're, they're playing uh, they good. No, almost beat how many? Yeah, teams? yeah, they're taking good. They're good. They're taking top ten and fifteen teams to the bell, but then it's a shit show at the very end, and they don't. know And how I to don't win. buy that almost beating good teams really means anything. That's fine. You know, That's I fair. When, when you go back and you can't beat Minnesota, who's very mediocre, right? And uh, and by the way, the I don't know how much closer you're watching. The Gophers begged Nebraska to win that yeah. game. Yeah, they begged them. Come yes. on in, take it. Yes. They didn't score a point in the second half until the fifty-six yard run yeah. uh, when they had sh- uh, shattered Nebraska's will. Last one. Are you watching? How much uh, and to what interest and enjoyment are you watching the baseball playoffs? I'm trying to watch it, but Jen doesn't let me. So, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> she can make these decisions now. More or less. Yeah. So you have two TVs, I, I, right? It's complicated. But, okay. Uh, let's just say that I'm trying to squeeze it in whenever I can. Rooting for the Dodgers. Uh, I guess I'm rooting for Boston, but. The American League, like, there was nobody in that field that I really wanted to see okay. successful. So, rooting for the Dodgers. Are these four-hour games slash these uh, being decided by check swings and uh, that was weird strike zones? Is, yeah. is that, uh, do you, do you just accept that as a baseball lover these days? I, I'm not really one who complains too much about, like, the length of the game or how the game is yeah. being played or there's too many home runs and strikeouts. I don't know. Baseball's baseball, and... I, you know, I, I played it for such a long time that I just think that that makes me biased, I guess, that, you know, no matter what it is, I'm into it and I enjoy watching it. And, you know, I, I do think that there's something there's something to the 
almost every at-bat ending in either a strikeout or a home run. I, I would like to see a little more action. It, it, to me, it's not so much the, the length of the game, the pace of the game. It's just too much standing around. You know, yeah. I'd like to see a little more Get some things going more on the bases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's not like I'm going to not watch if there isn't. Are we going to steal? Are we going to bunch? Are we going to actually get singles yeah. and see if uh, we, go, we uh, take some gambles? Who knows? All right. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate thank it. You, John. This is going to be an interesting Jackrabbit game to, to, to cover, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun stuff to discuss next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.